You're listening to Postpartum Pieces, a sub-series of the Mummy Republic podcast, featuring educational conversations with professionals to help you get through postpartum life the best you can. This week's topic is breastfeeding. I'm joined by Allegra Gast, nutrition and breastfeeding expert and qualified lactation consultant. So Allegra, I think although we're opening up the conversation more, there's definitely still a misconception when it comes to breastfeeding. I mean, we're sort of given this sense that it should be easy and just come naturally when in fact, it's it's honestly such a learning process mm-hmm. for the mother and the child. What do the early days of breastfeeding really look like in the general sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. You know, mom's just think, okay, they bird their baby, their baby comes up out, you put them on the breast and voila, they're breastfeeding. But that's, you know, I feel like 95% never the case. Uh, so babies, even though they have that instinct to come out to latch, you know, they have that rooting reflex, mom and baby don't know how to do it together. Like mom, they might, moms might know, okay, I hold my ba- breast this way, I hold my baby this way but they don't know how to do it together. So the analogy I give is like learning how to dance or like learning the tango. You both have to learn how to tango together. You might know the concept of dancing. You might know the concept of the tango, but it's really working together. So, you know, your baby might not latch right away. You might have, um, you know, larger nipples. That's harder for the baby to latch on to or flatter nipples or, Babies might have a, um, you know, a breast preference or, you know, there could just be so many different things. So it's definitely a learning process for both mom and baby. And that learning process could be several hours. It could be several days, could be even several months. So, you know, it definitely is a learning process. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's, that's key that it does actually take time. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is obviously individual for each mother and child, but how long would you say it takes to actually get into the groove of being able to comfortably breastfeed or kind of figure each other out? Is there a general timeline that you would suggest based on what you've seen? Mm -hmm. So as a lactation consultant, I mean, I see families from a couple weeks old to a couple months old, and I really think it does vary. And I think the biggest influence is the support moms have. Do they have support around the house so that they can solely focus on their baby, you know, focus on skin to skin and feedings? Or is a mom, you know, does mom not have enough support and she's trying to cook herself meals, do the laundry, wash the bottles, do this and that. And then she's just mentally exhausted that she can't really focus on actually latching her baby and breastfeeding. So I think it really will depend on moms, but I generally see, you know, I would say maybe an average, um, maybe four weeks (laughs) to just like feel, okay, I got it. And even myself as a lactation consultant, I knew everything about breastfeeding before my own baby, but it took us about two and a half months before I was like, all right, I got this, you know. Um, And I don't know what it's like in Australia, but here in the States, in America, we only get six weeks of maternity leave. So, you know, if you think about how long it takes to get in the groove of things, now you have to go back to work. So it's really hard um, when you have that pressure to go back to work and you still haven't mastered breastfeeding. 
Absolutely. And that, I mean, that in itself <laughs> baffles me. Yeah, but, um, I know. <laughs> you know, we are very lucky here in Australia. And I think that's that's a key point. You know, you're, you're somewhat of an expert in this area and you're acknowledging that it still certainly mm-hmm. takes time. Um, do you feel like there are, apart from, you know, you touched on before around the support that a mother has, but are there common issues that you see that can potentially impact the supply or a mother's ability to breastfeed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, breast production is all breast removal, or sorry, breast milk removal. So the more you remove that milk, the that's telling your body, okay, there's a demand, let's make more milk. But there can be many reasons why moms might not have a full production, and that can be how they labored, that can be any stress. Um, maybe there was separation between mom and baby in those early days, even early hours, and that can cause a delay in her milk to come in. Um, if babies aren't transferring well, you know, maybe they have a weak suck or they're very sleepy at the breast and not feeding efficiently, or maybe they have a tongue tie, which is an oral restriction where they can't um, efficiently move their tongue and remove that milk, then that tells mom's body that there's not a big demand and it needs to cut down its production. So, you know, there's a lot of external things that can happen that can affect mom's supply. Also, some moms might not have developed enough breast tissue and it's a condition called insufficient glandular tissue. So insufficient breast tissue where they just don't have enough breast tissue to make a full milk production, um, you know, a full supply. So these are all cases when you'd really want to reach out to a lactation consultant to see what's going on, because really we should all be able to breastfeed, you know, and, you know, nourish our baby. You know, that's how the human race is still around. So we should all be able to breastfeed, but definitely there's going to be cases where, um, you know, there could be cases why your supply might have decreased or whatnot. Yeah, and I think that's that's asking for help takes a lot of courage because it is yeah. a difficult thing as a mother to perhaps feel like you're not able to do what your body's made to do. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, feel that burden. As a lactation consultant, what would you traditionally do to try and figure mm-hmm. out what the issue is? Yeah. Well, first, I want to just say that there's no shame in getting help. You know, that's why we have lactation consultants, because breastfeeding is not normal, you know, or is not easy. It is normal. (laughs) It's not easy. (laughs) Um, But like, if it was easy, I wouldn't have a job. So there's a whole profession of lactation consultants, because breastfeeding is not easy. And there are issues that come about. So I think, you know, trying to acknowledge that, it's okay to get help. Um, so as to answer your question, um, what does the lactation consultant do? So I will go, I offer both virtual and in-home consults for um, moms local to me. But typically what we do is we come to the house, we look at what the mom is currently doing. How is she holding the baby? How is baby at the breast? Can you hear swallows? How is the positioning? Does mom have any nipple pain, any breast pain. We take a full um, health history. You know, we want to know any complications that might have happened before her pregnancy, during her pregnancy, um, you know, afterwards. We want to look at mom's breasts. We want to make sure that there's breast tissue throughout her breasts. 
Um, typically, we'll do a weighted feed where we feed baby before she breastfeeds and then after she breastfeeds, and we can see how much milk the baby took out. Um, and then we'll kind of just come up with a solution. I might watch moms pump and see how they're pumping and kind of talk about their goals, their long-term goals. If they're returning to work, we'll talk about that. I'll do an oral assessment and just kind of take a look at baby's anatomy. How is their suck? How is um, their tongue function? Any frenulums, which is the skin under their tongue. I'll take a look at that. I'll look for any tension in baby. Can baby turn their head side to side? Does um, baby prefer one breast over the other? Because maybe that's a positional thing. Maybe the way they came out through the pelvic canal or um, if it was a C-section birth, maybe they have a kink in their neck. You know, if we sleep the wrong way and we get a kink in our neck, it's uncomfortable for us to turn our head, you know? So think about a baby, if they've got a kink in their neck, they're not gonna wanna breastfeed in that position because it's painful to them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and we do just a lot of education, a lot of newborn um, education. I'm also a dietitian, so I talk a lot about postpartum nutrition and healing for, um, you know, the postpartum period and just how moms can feel great in that postpartum period. Yeah, which is so important. I think, um, you know, and your your Instagram has a great deal of insights and education on that mm-hmm. as well, which I'll put all those details into the show notes. Um, you touched before on pumping, and I think there's – there's a lot of confusion too for new mums about, okay, mm. well, do I need to incorporate pumping? And, and if I do, when do I do it? You know, can mm. I build up my stash? What's your advice around that space in terms of creating an extra supply? Should uh-huh. we be doing it? When should we be doing it? Yeah. So pumping is really to replace a feeding. So if your baby is feeding efficiently, removing milk, you're, you feel like your breasts are producing enough, and baby's having good uh, wet and poopy diapers, then I don't recommend pumping until your milk has calibrated. It's kind of like regulated, which is about six weeks. So I usually recommend maybe pumping, you know, four to six weeks postpartum. But if you're not going to be leaving your baby, if you're staying home, then there's really no reason to pump. You know, pumping is to replace a feeding. If you are pumping those early days when your body is still figuring out how much to make, it's very easy to get an oversupply and we don't Mm -hmm. want that because if you're breastfeeding your baby and then you're pumping on top of that, your body thinks that you have twins and it's going to make a lot of milk. (laughs) So (laughs) we really, because your body doesn't know how much to make. It's just, you know, oh my goodness, we just had a baby. Let's hurry up. We got to make all this milk, milk, milk but it doesn't know how much to make for your baby. So Mm -hmm. that's where these first couple of weeks comes in. It's all about regulating and calibrating to what your baby needs. So if you're pumping, um, it's really to replace a feeding. Maybe you're back at work, maybe you're doing a date night or you just want some alone time. There's nothing wrong with that. So maybe then you'll replace that feeding with a pump session. Yeah, Um, I think that's fantastic advice because, yeah, there is a lot of conflicting info around that. And I think um, on that note, I want to do a little bit of um, true and false to some of Uh these statements. Um, We hear a lot that one breast sometimes produces more milk or is more favoured by your baby. True or false? Mm -hmm. True. 
So just like one foot is slightly bigger than the other, one ear might be bigger, um, one eye might be a little stronger than the other, but well, one breast has more breast tissue than the other side. So I call it the stud and the dud for, you know, the overachiever, <laughs> the underachiever. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's just kind of like knowing one breast might produce slightly more and that's okay. Um, and maybe your baby will prefer that side because there's a little more milk, but generally babies will do fine going back and forth as long as there's no like, um, like pain or uh, discomfort in baby. Like if they don't like to turn their head a certain way, then I would try to do some stretches or, um, you know, some body work to help baby loosen up a little so that they'll take both sides. But yes, Perfect. it's true. <laughs> Great. Um, this is a big one. Uh, breastfeeding will make you lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in theory, yes, but it's not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so breastfeeding does burn about 300 to 500 calories. So, you know, you should be able to lose that weight, but breastfeeding makes you very hungry. So it's really being mindful of what you're eating. Um, you really want to eat balanced meals. So balanced meals are incorporating fiber, protein, and fat, and, you know, listening to your hunger cues. Um, your body will generally hold on to five to 10 pounds over your pre-pregnancy weight more as a protective mechanism, because if there was a famine, I mean, I now know nowadays there's not, there are no famines, but if there were a famine, your body would resort to its fat stores to feed your baby, to nourish your baby. So just kind of knowing that your body will hold on to five pounds. Um, but on top of that, you know, the rest of your pregnancy weight that you had gained you should be able to lose that weight. Uh, of course, there are many things that could go into that. And that's where nutrition is very individualized. Absolutely. I think it's, um, it is a huge misconception that it will just mm -hmm. automatically fall off. And I think sometimes mums feel that pressure again to be like, well, why am I, you know, I'm breastfeeding. Yeah. Why am I not losing yeah. weight? But there's, yeah, that's, that's also interesting to know around what the body does yeah. in terms of and storing moms, that. Yeah. And some moms have the opposite effect where they lose too much weight. Like they go below their pre-pregnancy weight and they're mm -hmm. like calling me up. How do I gain weight? <laughs> yep. so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely individual. Um, and last one, soft breasts mean that they're empty. Nope. Totally false. So we talked about your breasts kind of calibrating, figuring out exactly how much the baby needs. So engorgement and feeling full is not normal. Like your breasts don't want to feel engorged all the time. So as your breasts figure out how much to make for baby, you're not going to feel engorged or full. You're going to feel empty. But as long as your baby is still having good wet and poopy diapers, is still gaining weight, your hearing swallows, your baby's content, you know, as long as everything's fine, just because you have soft breasts does not mean that they're empty. So yeah, just kind of tell yourself um, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. I love that advice. Now, as I said before, you do talk a lot um, on your social media around nutrition. And um, I think some of the myths when it comes to breastfeeding and the impact mm -hmm. that a mother's diet has on a baby's milk. So, you know, alcohol, um, eating or avoiding certain foods. What mm -hmm. are some of the biggest misconceptions when it comes to breastfeeding and a mum's nutrition? Uh huh. So, you know, I don't know how it is in Australia, but here in America, if your baby is fussy or your baby has spit up or your baby is 
I don't know, acting like a newborn, but the parents don't think it's a newborn behavior. Doctors and a lot of health professionals or even just friends and family will tell them to cut out dairy, spicy foods, gassy foods. And this is like a huge misconception. And so breast milk is made from the bloodstream, not what happens in your gut. So in your GI tract. So something that might make you gassy doesn't necessarily mean it'll make baby gassy. So there's been, there's a new study that showed that a lot of moms um, jump to um, eliminating dairy when they notice these abnormal newborn behaviors. But a lot of these newborn behaviors are actually breastfeeding issues. So maybe an improper latch, maybe they're swallowing air, maybe mom has an oversupply or a fast letdown. And so a lot of these symptoms that babies have might mimic um, like the dairy intolerance, but it's usually not the case. It's hardly ever mom's diet that causes these issues. A lot of times it's a breastfeeding issue. So before moms cut out these foods, you know, take a look at how breastfeeding is going and rule out that before just, you know, saying it's your diet. I feel like moms blame themselves for everything. And I'm like, no mom, Uh, it's not you. Yeah. We put enough stress on ourselves. Absolutely. Additional stress. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's great advice. What about alcohol? So alcohol, because it does go into your bloodstream, it will go into your breast milk, but it's, the amount in your breast milk is very small and it's in your breast milk at the same rate that it's in your bloodstream. So once you feel sober, once it's out of your system, it's out of your breast milk. It doesn't just sit in your breast milk and accumulate, which, you know, with other things it might accumulate like drugs, (laughs) but uh, with alcohol, once it's out of your system, it's out of your breast milk. So I recommend you know, nurse your baby, then have your glass of wine or beer, whatever. And then by the time your baby is hungry again, it's usually been about two hours and that alcohol should be out of your system. So the saying is, you know, sober enough to drive, sober enough to feed your baby. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people get scared when Mm -hmm. it comes to having a drink. And obviously that's a protective thing and it's good to be cautious but yeah it's good to have that sanity check that it's not going to last all night if you've had a glass of wine yeah and obviously you're still be responsible and be a parent of course don't get drunk and you know (laughs) but yeah you can definitely have your glass of wine or beer or whatever perfect do you have any final words of wisdom when it comes to breastfeeding for any mums Yeah, I think really just be patient with yourself and be patient with your baby and try to get a lot of support. You know, breastfeeding is very demanding. Like not only did you just deliver a baby, like you just ran a marathon. And especially if you had a C-section or episiotomy, you're in a lot of pain. And then to take care of a newborn who is not sleeping, you know, they wake up every couple hours. Um, you know, just really try to be patient and really communicate with your partner, communicate with family members. I know it's a lot harder with COVID, but try to get support, try to be patient. Um, I always say breastfeeding is like a marriage. You have good days and you have bad days. Some days (laughs) you're, you just want to strangle one another and then other days you're just over the moon in love. So, you know, but it's a commitment. You stick it out and you get help. So, yeah, 
And yeah. and as you touched on before, there's absolutely no shame in getting help because mm-hmm. it is a difficult thing to do. You know, it's yeah. not always easy. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me. As I said, I'm going to put all of your details into the show notes so that people can jump on and follow along. But yeah, I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Allegra. Yeah, thank you so much. Breastfeeding is such a hot topic and I'm so glad that Allegra was able to shed some light from her perspective in terms of education and information. As with any of the information in the postpartum series, please consult your medical practitioner for any further and individual advice. One of the key things that I took away from today's episode is something that's probably quite obvious. Breastfeeding is a very individual experience and it comes down to both the mother and the child. As she mentioned, it's like a dance and sometimes you have to find your groove. I've popped all of her details into the show notes for a point of call and if you haven't done so already make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you can join me next week as well. If you're on Instagram head on over to at mummy republic podcast for more information on the postpartum sub series and the main podcast and the guests that are involved. Thank you so much for joining me and I look forward to speaking with you next time.